There are a bunch of people who, who are really, really heathens because they're leaving after the music. <laughs> now, they were here for the first service. Don't misunderstand. But I'm like, they said, well, we're going to stay for the music. Are you not stand for the sermon again? <laughs> what kind of heathens are you? Um, I understand. Um, they can listen to me on uh, tape. Right. Um, you know, the theme that is communicated in this song is, gonna, is a very difficult thing for me to communicate in this regard. I mean, we, we, certainly we, we know of bad people. Let me rephrase that. People who have done bad things, like murder, as, in, as the guy in the song. Mama, I've murdered a man. And, and Beelzebub has his own demon, you know, basically assigned to me. Feeling like he has his own personal demon. Maybe you've felt that way before, where you feel like, I think there are a, a whole horde of demons assigned to me, literally or figuratively. So, but here's what's difficult from my perspective in, in talking about this, and that is this. Um, God's ways, and you, you've heard me say this, God's ways are different than man's ways. That's true. We know that's true. But the one that I'm going to talk about today is really going to be a challenge, I think, for all of us. And it continues to be for me, because there are times when you... Or when I, and I've done this, and you've probably done this too, will we'll tell a human, another human being, another person, that's it. That's, I, I can't take any more. You know, it's not about forgiveness. I can forgive you, but I can no longer tolerate your behavior, your language, your abuse. You're out of my life. We've had to do that a few times. Maybe with, maybe with a friend. Maybe with a family member. It's very painful. Maybe with an ex-husband or an ex-wife. It's a very difficult thing to do. But we have the right, we have the obligation, and we have the responsibility to protect ourselves and our loved ones from reckless and destructive behavior. We have that responsibility before God. And there are times when we should do that. Don't misunderstand. There are times when we need to do that. We can argue we're not going to today. What are those boundaries and where do we, when do we set them and, and what is acceptable and what's not acceptable? I mean, we can certainly discuss that. And, and obviously, that, that's, it depends on what's going on in that particular situation. That's a real life issue that all of us have to deal with. Now, let me say something very clearly. That is never the case with God. That is never the case with God. You can never sin so much or too much that you're out of the realm of God's blessing and provision for forgiveness when you come to him. That's just impossible. There's no way you can do that. Is it possible for for, for you to do that to me? Yeah, it is. But not God. That's one of the big distinguishing things. We call those uh, in theology class non-communicable attributes. You know, God has many communicable attributes. God's a loving God. We're to love. God's a forgiving God. We're to forgive. God, you know, God's a just God. We are to be just. But this is one area that doesn't translate over into our human experience because we have to draw those boundaries. God never does. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't consequences, and I've talked about that before, and I'll, I'll mention that again in just a moment. But I want to show you an example of this because here's an example of a person in the Bible who we, I think probably everyone has at least heard of. And, uh, and he did some pretty bad things, and yet he was the only person in the Bible that ever had this particular phrase said about him. I'm, if I'm a student of any person other than Jesus in the Bible, I, it's probably David, King David. Um, he's my guy, you know? Don't take that the wrong way. Um, he, 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 he is, he's just, 
he was so flawed, like me, and yet he just had such a heart for his God. And I think that's probably why he resonates with me so much. And in, in, actually, next month, uh, uh, in November, I'm doing a four-week series in the month of November on, uh, it'll be all on David, but it's about Thanksgiving. And we're, you know, we celebrate Thanksgiving once a, once a year. We're going to do it four Sundays in November. It's called Thank You, and we're going to talk about that from David's life. And it's some pretty amazing things that uh, I'm looking forward to um, teaching and talking about. But I won't be talking about this, but this is an issue. I will be talking about this one verse. There's this one verse in 1 Samuel chapter 13, and it says this. Um, it, this, is God, this is Samuel talking to King Saul who preceded David as the king of Israel. And, and, and Samuel, God is speaking through Samuel, or Samuel is speaking for God, I should say. Now your dynasty must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Speaking of David, the Lord has already chosen him to be king over his people, for you have not obeyed the Lord's command. Saying that to King Saul. Nobody else in scriptures ever said, has ever had that said about them, that he is a man or a woman after God's own heart. That's repeated later on, by the way, in the New Testament as well, in the book of Acts. So, and I, t- I show you that because w- when you still think about this whole thing and then the, and the song and, and this guy just really at wit's end and I've committed this horrible sin and, you know, my life is, you know, is over as I know it and so forth. David has quite the record and I'm not going to detail all of his, all of his uh, issues, if you want to call them that, or his um, mistakes or sins or whatever you want to call them. But let me just go through a few of them, all right? We'll start with the, the easier ones first. Laziness, dereliction of duty. He dishonored God's name. He was extremely lustful, um, selfish, deceptive, lying, manipulative, coveting, murder. Mass murder. Killed a bunch of guys trying to cover up his crime, trying to cover up his sin. When he, when he, when he sinned with Bathsheba and tried to have her husband killed, and in doing so, um, he, he ended up killing a whole bunch of other guys who were under his command. Faithful men. He had pride. He had arrogance. He, he just a total abuse of power and, of course, adultery. And that's just, that's just a start. You know? That's just a start. You think, wow. Um... And yet, and this is, this is really good, and with that record, so to speak, that resume, if you want to call it that, I want you to see what God says about David after, he has, after he's died. His, his son Solomon becomes king. Solomon's got some issues too. Who wouldn't after that uh, kind of thing? And, and here's what happens. In chapter, uh, 1 Kings, I'll show it to you, chapter 11, verse 6. Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely. Look, listen, see, read that again. He refused to follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. You're like, huh? God's looking at the big picture and the heart. Did David sin along the way? Well, we know he did. A lot of things. You know, the Bible tells us that God has a way when we come to him and, and seeking, seeking forgiveness of bearing our sins. Actually, we're going to see this when we talk about David in a couple of weeks in, our, in, the deepest, in the deepest part of the sea, which they still haven't found yet in some places, I'm told. 
Uh, verse 7, on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, he even built a shrine for uh, Chemosh, detestable god of, um, uh, of uh, Moab, another one for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Solomon built such shrines for all his foreign wives to use for burning incense and sacrificing to their gods. I can't even begin to tell you, and uh, we had a whole class on it in school, uh, how bad these gods were. This is the stuff of which we had, they had, child sacrifice. They had, oh, it, I'm not, it's just, it's, it's awful. Solomon allowed that. This man, quote unquote of God, allowed that. You know, and it was, it's just, verse 9, the Lord was very angry with Solomon. I can understand why. For his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command. So now the Lord said to him, since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my laws, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. Watch this, watch this. This is so cool. But for the sake of your father, David, I will not do this while you are still alive. I will take the kingdom away from your son. And even so, I will let him be the king of one tribe. Why? For the sake of of my servant David, and for the sake of Jerusalem. This guy had a legacy. And you say, yeah, he did all those things. Again, it goes back to God forgave David. Now, did David have a screwed up family? He did. I mean, he had, he had, oh, he had some messes, man. Did David have a lot of consequences of some of the stuff that he had done? He did. But from God's perspective, and you need to understand this, he was totally forgiven. And we see that in the scripture, which is just amazing to me. So we stop and we think about that and we reflect on that for just a moment. And, and, and now some of you may be thinking, or if not, maybe you will. You know, I'm, I'm not really guilty of murder, Rich. Well, I'm not that bad, am I? And the answer to that would be, I love you, but yes, you are. And so am I. And, 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 and here's what I mean by that. You say, I'm not, I may not be guilty of murder, but, but you know, and Jesus went through this whole thing in the Sermon on the Mount, by the way, and which, by the way, I'm doing a thing on in, uh, sometime next year, um, a, a, a series on, on the Sermon on the Mount. That's one of my favorite messages of Jesus, and we'll spend a few weeks on it. But in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus did this. He said, you have heard that it's wrong to commit adultery. I tell you, it's wrong to have lust in your heart. Jesus took the Ten Commandments and just expanded upon it. It's not just a matter of the letter of the law, but it's the heart. He said, you've heard that it's wrong to murder. I tell you that it's wrong to hate a person. So you say, well, I've never really committed murder. And maybe if you're honest, maybe you'll think, well, maybe I've thought about it at least when I'm on 24, like last Monday or, or some other time. You know, that was when we had all the awful traffic and horrible tragedy uh, on 78. But, uh, and, but you, know, I, you know, for the most part, I don't hate and I don't... I don't really want to murder people. Well, you know, one of the things that happened to me um, early on after I left um, the church in Vail and I started working with this group in D.C., which we st- one of the things that came out of that was what I'm still doing with uh, on, a, on about once a month or once every two months, a Bible, not a Bible, but a, a prayer group that I do with some of the U.S. U.N. ambassadors and so forth. And we started that... Um, I don't know when it started. I started helping with that with 2000, about 2001. Um, shortly after I had uh, resigned the church in, in Vail. And, and I remember the, one of the first 
two or three meetings that I went to, one of the ambassadors was telling us from one of the African countries of how, how his political, it's just some of the, at that time it was out my eyes, you know, it was one of those things where you're like the deer caught in the headlights. I was just in, now you, you'd be hard to shock me, but, but it, he was telling us about how his political opponents were, were trying to assassinate him and how they had, had an attempted assassination on his life. I mean, like shoot, like with a gun, you know. We don't have here in Jersey, but they have them in other places, except for paintball guns. But, um, and he started talking about that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. We think our politicians hate each other, you know. And, um, and I wrote back an email to some of my friends in Vail, where, where I was still living, and I said, hard to believe we're dealing with issues here that uh, we never talk about in Vail and never had an issue with. I said, here we're talking with about political leaders who, who are trying to assassinate one another. That's something new to me. And one of my good friends, who's just so honest and so authentic, he wrote me back and he said, we don't talk about it, but I've thought about it. <laughs> and, oh, there we go. There's, there's some honesty here for us. Um, you know, and that's the thing we're talking about here. Maybe you're not, you know, I go through that whole list of things that David had, was a part of. You say, well, I, I may have done this, I may have done this, but I'm not there. Here's the issue. We, and we need to understand that we still have all, and I emphasize we, have all sinned. Sin basically means missing the mark, missing the mark that God has set. Not just in letter of the law, but in spirit as well. And so maybe you haven't done that whole thing. Maybe you're not like the guy in Bohemian Rhapsody who says, oh, I've killed a man. Mama, help me. You know, maybe you're not like that. But, but, but you do have regrets for how you have treated some people that you love in a very harsh manner. Um, maybe you've devalued someone and just made them feel like crap. Sorry. For those of you who are new, I say that from time to time just to keep you kind of loose. Um, you, just, you just made them feel like just, just garbage. And you think about it later, you think, oh, I can't believe I did that. You know, and, 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 you know, it's something you said. or maybe, maybe you've run over family or friends and had no regard whatsoever for others. Totally acting out of total selfishness. And maybe you didn't realize it at the time, but you did later on. That's missing the mark that God has set. You know, and that's the thing about it. You know, you say things sometimes. You, ever, you know, one of, the, one of the things I'm grateful for with email you know, you're writing email, particularly, I've, I'm kind of going on a thing. I'm trying not to answer emails that are contentious after like 10 o'clock nighttime. Maybe I ought to say 10 o'clock in the morning. That'd be really good, wouldn't it? Um, because sometimes I've written emails and then I read them the next morning, you know, when there's somebody responds to you and you read your response. Oh, I can't believe I said that. And I, I, I remember back in the early, some of you guys who are techno nerds are going to think I'm crazy on this, but I, I think I remember... Back in the day when I first started an email, which was about 10 years after everybody else, um, I think I remember something like it, at least on the computer that I had. Was there something like a retrieve e- a sent email? Well, I thought it meant that. Oh, I can take that back. And, and I, I tried to do that one time after I sent an email, or, you know, in the early days for me of email, which is probably, what, a couple years ago. And, um, and I, I tried to retrieve it, and I couldn't get it back. And I thought, oh, crap. I'm sorry, I said that again. I'm sorry. Oh, heck. I, I, you know, I'm just like, oh, man, I can't believe I did that. And then I thought to myself, how I wish we had that on our mouth. You know, 
before we send it, we could just stop and say, oh, let me look at this over a little bit here. <laughs> and then you say it. And you make that person just, and then you realize what you've done. Folks, you're like the guy in Bohemian Rhapsody. Look what I've done. Now, can you receive forgiveness for that? Absolutely. Might you impair the relationship? You could with the other person. Maybe you just, you've yelled at your kids in an inappropriate manner. You say, well, is that damaging? Yeah. And we know that. You know, and you know because you feel that guilt later on and you feel that shame. You know, guilt and shame, let me just say this. I'm not a psychologist, nor am I, nor do I, nor am I a wannabe. But let me just say this about guilt and shame. It's kind of, we, we've it's taken a few hits in, in recent years. Where, ah, we shouldn't have guilt, we shouldn't have shame. Guilt and shame serve a very good purpose for one time and one time only for us to realize I've done something wrong. Now, that's where we leave it. We go to God and we ask for forgiveness. We go to a person, maybe if we need to, but that's where we leave it. Sometimes we say guilt and shame are all bad. No, there's a good place for guilt and shame for us to realize what we've done, but then we get move on. Okay, so, so hang on to that and don't, don't, don't dwell on it, you know, don't uh, waddle in it, so to speak, but use it and then move on. You know, may, maybe, maybe you're just an ogre. Not a good word. I just love that. We don't use that much anymore. It just, it's, so, it's, like, it's almost like self-defined, you know, as an ogre. And, you know, you can't be a good ogre, you know? You got to call a guy an ogre, he's an ogre. It's not like, oh, well, he's a good, no, he's not a good ogre, he's an ogre. Yeah. You know, maybe just an ogre. Say, is that missing the mark? Yeah, God tells us to have joy in our hearts. And that's to reflect on our countenance. Really? Yeah. Pretty amazing stuff. Um, maybe he's telling people off. Oh, I like the way Mark kind of ad-libbed that song line in there. Hey, New Jersey, are you living Jesus? You spent some time here, Mark? You've been around here for a while, have you? Uh, it's true, and, I, you know, and that's true in Nashville. It's true anywhere, obviously. Maybe you're one of those people who find themselves continually drawn to pornography. You say, ooh. You know, one of the things that's a real problem, and I've been privileged, and I, I can count it a privilege, to talk to... In my case, men. Uh, uh, a lot of men about those issues. And I, I appreciate so many times their authenticity about it and just wanting to, to, to try to come out of that. But one of the things that I find is people don't realize the damage that can do to people. And, and it does. Not to mention the fact what it does to their mind and their conscience. The, the, the fact that it gets them into some sort of a false intimacy type of deal. The fact that what it does to your view of women. Talking from a man's perspective here, you can take that around. Uh, it, it's just, it's, 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 it's wrong. It's missing the mark. And you can devalue, you can say, well, that's not that bad. It, it is bad. And it can, it can, I've seen it, if not destroy, severely damage marriages. Maybe you're one of those people. You say, well, maybe I'm not a David. Maybe I'm not a guy in the Bohemian Rhapsody. No, but, but you're still dealing with this whole area of, of missing the mark. Maybe you're one of those guys or ladies who squeezes people out of a deal because you can. It would be a mistake, and I want to make this clear. It would be a mistake to maximize your sin because others find out. It'd be a mistake to say, my sin's terrible because so many people know about it. It's the trouble with my life, really. You know, it's the trouble with driving a red convertible 
You got to be on, you know, everybody knows what Rich drives. You got you to follow the traffic laws. Oh, I saw you the other day. I saw you run through that stop sign. I saw you pull out in front of that person. I'm like, can I be anonymous for a little while here? Um, but we're not. None of us are, at least before God. It would be wrong to mistake, and that's a simple thing. It would be, be wrong to mistake, or to, to maximize your sin because others find out. It would be just as wrong to minimize your sin because nobody knows. Because God does. And really, nobody else matters. They do, but not on the big chief perspective of things. St. Teresa, the saint that lived in the 1500s, said this, don't let your sins turn into bad habits. I would just say that, amen, because they can become destructive. Don't let your sins turn into bad habits. Let me say this a few times. You're never too bad or have never been too bad to come to Christ. Again, or for the first time. One of the things that, you know, sometimes, even those of us who've been believers, followers of Christ for a long time, we have to deal with this, this whole thing, was I bad? You know, sometimes, I, I don't know what, what, sometimes we as parents, hopefully we didn't do this, but sometimes as parents, you know, as children, you know, I'm not, I'm not real big on the whole, I know there's a place for it, but the whole thing of, you know, examining a, a person goes to therapy and examining their life to find out whether or not their mom fed them blue M&Ms instead of red M&Ms and how that affected them. I'm not real big on that, but there's a place for, you know, if you've been called bad by someone you love, you, you got to kind of overcome that. Because then you think, well, that's all God thinks of me, and God doesn't think of you that way. May thinks you missed the mark, but you're precious in his sight. You're never too bad, or have ever been too bad to come to Christ. That's why Jesus came, for goodness sakes. That's why Jesus came. For me and for you, because we've missed the mark. And he came and, and lived, showed us how to live Perfectly because he was God, suffered and died and then rose again to say, all right, I'm here to give you new life. No matter how bad you've been or were or are going to be. You see, you mean Jesus died for my sins past, present, and future? Hey, they were all future when he died, okay? Think about that for a minute. The other thing, you don't have to clean up anything to come to God. So many times I hear this, I hear this a lot. It's it's a good and a bad thing. It's a club where I play a lot of golf, although you couldn't have told yesterday that I play any golf anywhere. But but, um, I don't want to whine anymore about that. But um, I'm a bad loser and I'm a bad winner. I just want to make that very clear. Um, My wife says that, you're a terrible winner because I'll call someone, hey, how you doing? Anyway, this club where I play golf a lot, they you know, on my bag, and the, they identify your office, it's a Reverend Rich Teeters. I, I, you know, and I'm a reverend and all that stuff, but I'm, I've never, most of the places I've been, they don't usually call you reverend. And, um, and they do sometimes in the UN and all that, but I, it's just, and I don't care. It's just one of those things I'm not used to. So now, I'll, you know, a lot of the staff out at this club and, and friends, and they're, hey, Rev, how you doing? You know, and, and as the, the con- which is okay, I suppose, but at the consequence of that is oftentimes I'll be playing with somebody who I don't know, and they'll say, well, they know that I'm, I'm one of the, I think, the only Protestant uh, reverend, and, uh, which is fine. I'm happy to, to be amidst the, uh, the, the, my, my Catholic brethren. And, um, 
Anyway, uh, one of the things that happens on that many times is guys will, will, you know, eventually, third hole, you don't get very far. Oh, hey, Rev, you know, we're, 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 I'm going to come to church. I got, I got some things I need to clean up first. And I'm like, well, you may not want to come to Renaissance then because none of us are cleaned up, you know? Um, don't take that the wrong way, okay? I had a shower this morning, and, and, and you look very clean whether you did or not. But, and I can't see you that well anyway, but that's all right. But the point that they're making, and so many times people make, is I've got to clean myself up before I come to church. I've got to clean myself up before I come to God. No, you come to Christ, and he'll take care of that. Instantly, I wish. No. You can never clean up anything to come to God. That's why, that's why Jesus came. You can never sin so much that you're out of God's care and God's provision for forgiveness. You can never, you can never sink so low that you're out of God's ability to reach you. Never. Never. Mine? Yes. God's? No. And let me say this one last thing. There is no, and I hear this term thrown around every so often, not a lot, but every so often I hear this term thrown around. Have I committed the unpardonable sin, Pastor? I say, well, I don't know what you've done, but I can assure you, if you come to Christ, you haven't committed the unpardonable sin. You know, there is no, listen carefully, if you get nothing else out of this, get this, there is no unpardonable sin as long as one keeps coming to Christ for mercy and forgiveness. And you need to hear that loud and clear. There is no unpardonable or unforgivable sin as long as one keeps coming to Christ for mercy and for forgiveness. I want to close with this one reading. It's not just a reading. It's the scripture. It's the Bible. It was written uh, by the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans. We're going to read it from, from the message paraphrase, which I enjoy reading a lot. And it just sort of puts it all together for us. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put anything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? Who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? That's me and you. Who would dare even point a finger the one who died for us, who raised us to life, who raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. No trouble. No hard times. Not hatred. Not hunger. Not homelessness. Not bullying threats. Not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced, watch this, watch this, that nothing, nothing, living or dead, that's me or you, nothing, living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Let's pray. God, I'm humbled by the words that we read in the Bible. 
I'm humbled by the concept of the fact that you are a God who loves us dearly and no matter what we do, you're still going to love us. And you're not going to love us any less. And you can't love us any more than what you already do. I pray for each person here. For some of us, it's just a matter of being reminded, Jesus, you love me that much. And I just come to you in humbleness and gratefulness and ask that my life can honor yours, who you are. For some, it might be the first time. You say, God, I want to I wanna just come to you in humility and say, Jesus, I want to trust you. We thank you, God, for your grace and your love. Pray that we would go and leave here knowing and understanding that in Jesus' name. Amen.